morning. It is Masters Week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. Joining us now is the 2003 Masters winner, none other than Canada claims him, but that's the whole country. We claim him here locally, so it's a little uh, little smaller. He is Utah's own BYU grad, uh, played golf there, Mike Weir. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Morning, PK. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited. You know, for me, uh, you know me, I'm a big golf fan. I look forward to spring, and i got to have two things that mark the advent of spring. One is opening day in Major League Baseball, and we've already had that. And the second, I don't care what the calendar says, literally, I view spring has arrived when I turn on that television and I am watching the Masters. For me, it is a highlight, and I'm glad it's back when it's supposed to be. I was glad that you guys played it in November. I was okay with that under the circumstances, but I'm super glad that it's back to where it belongs. It is a rite of passage for me every single year. I'm wondering, as a tour player, how much extra does the adrenaline get going and the heart start pumping when you're driving down Magnolia Lane and all that stuff, that famed road, knowing that you're going to play in the Masters? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely extra. And, and like you, I you know, as a kid growing up in Canada, you know, we had, you know, fairly similar climates here as Utah. And, you know, I remember when I was 16 watching Jack Nicholas, and the weather was just kind of breaking and running inside to, to watch the tournament at, at my home club and watching Jack and then running outside to the putting green to pretend I was Jack Nicholas. And, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like the same thing, you know, when, when, when spring's here, the Masters is here and, and now to be able to play in it and, and been lucky enough to win it, it's still, I still get chilled every time I, I get there, anticipating getting there, flying in. And the first time you drive down Magnolia Lane for the week, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of things come flooding back and, you know, a lot of excitement and anticipation, you know, in the air, you know, kind of coming in there Monday to get registered and, uh, and get ready. Um, yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah, I can imagine for you, you're a veteran, you're 50, I think you turn 51 next month, because I know we talked to you and you told us you were shooting for this, I, I call it the senior tour, I can't call it that anymore, as you corrected me, the <laughs> champions tour, uh, that starts when you're 50, we saw uh, uh, down in Tucson, how'd you not flip off Sutherland when he chipped in on that, what was it, 16? <laughs> yeah, what a shot, what a shot that was, you know, it was the only birdie on that hole all day, apparently, the hole was playing very difficult, and yeah, I mean, man, um, you know, I played well, and, and, you know, he just played a little bit better, you know, down the stretch, you know, the guys who win usually, you know, unless you run away with the tournament, but there's obviously some swings down the stretch, and, and he made a great chip in, and 17th hole, I don't know if you've ever ever played there, PK, but it's a bit of an awkward hole, you know, it was playing straight downwind, there was almost impossible to hit the fairway because uh, the fairway sloping away from you downwind and yeah. you just kind of bang driver out there and you hope you know there's a few trees there but you know I, you, you think you're going to get a gap that you're going to have a shot at the green and he did and I didn't and um, he made a birdie to, to take the lead there so um, but at the same time you know I'm playing well and, and it just showed me that my game's in a good place uh, kind of coming into uh, this week so even though you're a veteran and you've already got the green jacket, you accomplished the ultimate goal as far as I'm concerned. Still, the competitive juices flow, and you still want to compete. Oh, no doubt. Um, 
especially now at this stage, you know, PK, I, I had a, I had a tough run of years where a number of different things, but, um, I felt like some years were, were missing in my career, you know, right. uh, I don't know if I want to say taken away from me, some what the injury was and some other things, but, um, I, I've got this rejuvenation. I, even though I'm 50, I, I feel kind of rejuvenated that I missed a lot of time. Um, I missed a lot of, uh, I feel like good time. And now I'm at a place where my game is good. You know, it's, it's not the level of top players in the world, but it's, it's in a good place. And I feel like when I go into Augusta, I think that the good vibes and feelings I have there and, and Augusta more than any other place is, is a mindset. I, I really truly believe that you have to have all your wits about you pulling out the shots. You know, it's kind of cliche to say committed to the, you know, to the shot at the moment, but there's, if you hit a shot a little indecisive, ah, maybe it should, maybe I should hit a six iron or hard seven. And you walk in there without a clear picture, man, you'll make a double or triple bogey so fast. Mm-hmm. It'll make your head spin. So I think the mindset there more than any other tournament is, is really imperative. And, and that's what I'm kind of going in there with. And I think experience um, helps there. Interesting comment mm-hmm. on the mindset. Now, none of us, uh, I don't think in our listeners uh, on the zone here have been to your level and can put ourselves into that spot. But if we're amateur golfers, and I've been pretty much since about 12, 13 years old, uh, I can relate to uh, on a very small scale here. Let's not uh, kid my, I don't want to kid myself, but you know, you talk about which club to use and being able to sell yourself on the shot. I play with mm-hmm. a guy, his name is Brent Jones. I don't know if you know him. He coached a little bit about uh, down at BYU when you were down yeah. there, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he lives around the corner from me, and we play in a little men's league on uh, Tuesdays. And he's really helped me with my game. And his big thing is, man, be sold on the shot. And yeah. it's interesting that even on your level, You've got to be sold on the shot. If there's any type of indifference, you're basically saying you're hosed. Yeah, you are. I mean, you know, I guess I think, you know, it's a good lesson for, you know, club golfers, you know, aspiring tour players and, and elite players. I mean, it's, it's basically the same thing as, as being committed to your shot. I, I tell my buddies when I'm playing with them, when they hit, man, I can't hit it to them. I'm like, well, what, was, what were you focused on? You know, where you – He's like, oh, I was, you know, I was just trying to hit it out there. I'm like, well, you gotta, you gotta pick some kind of a target out there. You know, you, you know, those kind of little details, um, they get a little more enhanced and they get very enhanced at Augusta National. And you know, when the pin's sitting up on a little tier and your, you know, your landing area is literally four or five yards, if you're indecisive, you know, at your home club, that shot still might be okay, 20 feet left of the hole. But at Augusta National, that might hit a slope and be 50 feet or might land four yards too far and go over the back of the green and you have this diabolical chip that you have to be very uh, cute with, I'd say, and you can leave it short or you can hit it by. And next thing you know, you're walking off with a triple bogey because it's your next shot is that much more difficult. So those, those are the little things I think that really play out at Augusta National more than any other tournament is that um, you, you may barely miss a shot offline, but then your next one, because you've you've hit it in the wrong spot is very very becomes very very difficult. So um, from what I've heard, they they had their big member tournament there two weeks ago. The greens are very firm, um, so we didn't have that in November. It was it was like throwing darts in November. The course was soft. I think you'll see the course play pretty darn firm, and you'll see some of these things. You'll see some guys with doesn't look like that difficult a shot on TV, but it's so firm and so fast that you have 
such a small landing area to land maybe a chip shot to get it close to the hole. And if you miss that spot, you're 30 feet away. Um, <laughs> and that's Augusta National. <laughs> I just got queasy in my stomach when you're saying that. <laughs> Michael Weir, former Masters champion, joining us. Now, for the guys who've won it and are a little older, is when you get uh, to the area, uh, how do you balance competing but actually socializing with the guys and maybe having somewhat of a, you know, a little bit of a reunion, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely some of that on Tuesday night in the, in the champions uh, with the champions dinner. And we have a, you know, a little reception before we sit down for dinner and mingle around a little bit, catch up with, with everybody. And that's, that's what makes another part of the week that makes it very special for me now is to be part of that group and to sit around and, and, you know, talk with Jack Nicholas and, and talk with Gary Player and Ray Floyd and, you know, the names go on and on. And um, you kind of be in the middle of that, that gap of the younger guys with Jordan Spieth and, you know, Adam Scott and some of the younger guys that have won, Patrick Creed and Bubba Watson. And then you have, you know, you have Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson and these other guys and Gary Player. And, and then I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm, it's, it's great to hear the stories of the past from these guys and, and see how the game's evolved in the last 20 years. So it's kind of a fun place to be. Okay, Mike, I got a question that you have never gotten and you're never going to get. I'm pretty sure of that, but that's what I do. So I'm giving you one choice. You can only choose one. So for the rest of your life, you get to go to the champion's dinner versus for the afterlife. You get to go to heaven. Which one you choosing? (laughs) Oh man. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure of my belief system and all that, so I'm, I'm sticking with the champion's dinner because I don't know where we're going after, so I'm, I'm going to stick with the champion's dinner. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine that. How cool is that? Sports, whatever sport, they've all got their traditions, uh, whatever they might be, but you're talking about the champion's dinner, and one of the things that I think is so awesome with golf is that – you really, uh, you don't necessarily fade out of view, you know, Jack, and obviously he's the extreme example, and, you know, hitting the the, the, the ceremonial ter- first shot with Gary Blair mm-hmm. and then Arnold Palmer when he was alive. But I love the way golf blends its past, recent past, long-term past. It just meshes it together with the what's going on in the actual golf world now. And it seems like there's a great timeline there. And I think that that champion's dinner probably best illustrates it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think, you know, well, I think that and the, you know, the other things that there is longevity in, in our sport, you can continue to play with champions tour. So, you know, other sports, you know, you might be done at 30, you know, in football, you might be done earlier than that basketball, early thirties. And, um, but golf, you can continue to play well guys. Look at Steve Stricker and Bernard longer guys from their mid fifties, even early sixties, still playing well and, and doing some awesome things. And yet their goals might be a little bit different, but they're still able to accomplish their, their own, their own things, you know, on the champions tour and their own, their own goals. So I think that is, is really special about golf too. And that we're always, working on it. You know, Arnold Palmer was always working on a swing and trying to find something better with his putting. And 
I sit beside Gary Player at the Champions Dinner. He's always talking about, Mike, if I can get my club just a little more across the line, I can get five more yards. You know, I can get five more yards. And I'm already beating my age by 15. I want to beat it by 17. You know, just things like that that keep, you know, uh, keep yourself motivated. It's, it's pretty inspiring. Yeah, golf's a lifetime sport when you think about it. I mean, not just at your level, but duffers like yeah. me yeah, can continue to play 60s and hopefully 60s and 70s and going forward yeah. on that. So when you say you sit next to Gary Player, is it assigned seating? How does that work? No, it's not assigned seating. It's just kind of, we've all kind of fallen into our, our little spots at the, at the head of the table. And November was different because we they had us a little bit more spread out because of COVID. And I'm not sure if they'll do that again this year but normally we're all at one big table and uh, after we take our our annual photo everybody just kind of goes to their spots and it seems like Gary Player's at the one end and myself and BJ and Trevor Emmelman and Adam Scott and Nick Faldo and we all kind of um, Charles Cootie is down there as well we're all kind of down at the end of the table Um, it's kind of like the back of the classroom there we're all back in the back of the classroom telling (laughs) stories and um, and Gary players, the ringleader, he's, he's telling all kinds of great stories about uh, the past and the great players of the past. It's really fun. Yeah. And that's cool. It's guys from all over the world too. That's another thing about golf. It's mm-hmm. really a, you know, a world game and you've just mentioned player and Faldo and others, uh, Adam Scott, those are not Americans. They've made their right. mark here, obviously in, in the version of the U S tour, but those are not native born Americans. The thing about the masters and maybe it's across the board, uh, in other tournaments too, but I especially see it at the Masters. The winner, uh, particularly if it's a first-time winner, I can't remember if you were in that situation, but Dustin Johnson last year, he's being interviewed, and he can barely speak. He's overcome with emotion and, and all these things that must be just flooding through him. What What is that like when you win, when you're actually the last man standing and you win that green jacket and you're in the literal moment, which you have been, uh, what are all those emotions that are going through these? We've saw, seen Bubba Watson, and the list goes on as far as that goes, of just almost to the point of bowling. And Dustin last year had a hard time speaking. Can you describe the, all the emotions that run through you at that time? Oh boy, it's it's hard to describe. I guess it's um, it all goes back for me. I can only speak for me. It just goes back to almost what we talked about the, the beginning of this uh, chat was you know the the rite of spring and and myself watching golf, falling in love with golf and Jack Nicklaus at the Masters in '86. Yeah, I loved golf before that, but that tournament in particular and watching Jack at the Masters in '86, you know, maybe really want to be a professional golfer and. You know, for me, when I was done on the 18, or sorry, on the 10th hole after the playoff, that my brother and my dad um, be there and to finally be able to. I think you know you're you're so focused for that many days in a row, and to finally let off the pedal a little bit and just absorb it, and uh, you know you just kind of overwhelmed, like holy, you know what? Like I I, I did this. <laughs> I, I can't believe I was able to stay focused and and not let the moment get a hold of me and, and, uh, and mess it up. You know, I was able, able to actually kind of pull it all through. So, you know, I think that's why guys are overcome with emotion. I was, I certainly was before, before I went into the interview with, uh, in the Butler cabin with, when Tiger put the jacket on me, with me, with the chairman and Jim Nats. Um, I had a moment just to splash some water on my face for a second before I, 
it's, it's all happens pretty fast after the playoff. And I had, you know, 20 seconds to wash some water on my face and look in the mirror and just, just unbelievable, you know, feeling that, uh, of accomplishment of all, all your dreams from, you know, going back to when you're a kid. So, um, yeah. and then, then I have the utmost respect for guys like Jack and Tiger have done it, you know, 18 times, 15 times. It's like, how, how do they get themselves there in that mental state that meant that often, not only winning them, but like to, you know, be in that moment for uh, so often. It's, it's really hard to do. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you, Mike Ware, Masters winner, joining us. He's going to be playing this week in the Masters. As far as, you know, that concentration, I mean, I have a hard time concentrating completely the way I need to be on a single hole. Forget about four days of 18. I can only imagine the mental strain. How difficult is it when you're out there to stay in that moment? Because I think that's a requirement that you must have to be successful at your level. Yeah, that is. I mean, it, it, you know, uh, you know, I've done it a few times. You're uh, you're chasing that. You want to be able to do that. Um, I, don't, I don't know what interference kind of gets in the way, whether you're the expectations or the anticipation of maybe winning a tournament that pulls you out of it. But it is it's hard to get yourself in a state where you're you're just focused on the moment and that shot with people yelling, all the movement, other players making birdies, all that noise going on around you. But you're able to. At least in my case, that's what I tried to do is just find a way to kind of block all that stuff out. And, um, you know, Jack Nicholas was, you know, talked about how, how he would just kind of go into his own world and, uh, you know, kind of have this picture of this movie running in his head of the exact shot, how he wanted it, to, uh, the trajectory of the shot, how he wanted the ball to land. He visualized so well. I think Tiger was a lot the same way. So, I haven't been able to tap it as much as those guys, but when you do tap into that and you're able to create that in the in the biggest moments um, and and put everything else aside, that's that's kind of the ultimate. So for me, the Masters, I was able to do that for 72 holes, um, and it's just I think that's when you're finally done and and you you happen to win one, yeah, these these things kind of overcome you and you're um, you're overcome with emotion. Yeah, for sure. Is it, uh, we, we always, we, we forecast going in NBA playoffs, you know, who do we think is going to win and, and NFL, whatever it might be, uh, particularly in the media, but I even think fans, fans do it too. We try to have, we come up with our own idea of how it's going to play out. I, I sort of view the, the masters as somewhat of a, an impossible situation to try to predict do you think it's possible if, if you're playing well, can you continue it? If you're not playing well, can you turn it on? The point being, is there any way that, that any of us can really pick who's going to A, contend, and then B, win? Uh, I think it's, it's difficult to do nowadays because it's, it's so competitive out there. There's so many great, talented players. But I always look right. to the guys, you know, the year I won there, I was playing very well. I won a couple times earlier in the year. My confidence was high. I was in a nice flow with my game. Now, there's always aberrations, guys. I remember Jose Maria Alfabo saying that he had, you know, missed the cut and, you know, hadn't played well, and all of a sudden he got in there the second time he won there, and, he, you know, he just kind of got the, the good vibes going again uh, through Augusta National, just playing the golf course in the practice rounds, and that really helped him. But most of the time it's guys who are playing well, um, and – it's hard to flip the switch at Augusta. It can be done, but I would look to the guys that are really playing well and putting well. Uh, guys who have great short games um, and 
but then then you're narrowing it down, but it's still hard to predict a winner. But I think you can kind of narrow it down maybe to the you know twenty guys. Yeah, if I remember correctly, at your point, I remember watching on television. Uh, you won what I call the Bob Hope uh, Palm Springs. I don't know what it's called or what was it called then. Yeah. And and then the uh, L.A. Open, right? That's what I. Uh, yeah, and then I won L.A. And, um, I, I finished. I think I finished second, maybe at Pebble Beach too. So I was really playing well. Um, I, I really had a great West Coast, and so right. my confidence was high. And I had a bit of chip on my shoulder too, because early in the week I didn't get asked into the media center as like one of the favorites. And I kind of used that. I, I used that a little bit. Like, I thought, you know what, here I am. I've won twice. I've finished second, third. No one's playing better than me yet. You know, no one no one thinks I'm going to win here. So I used that a little bit. That's sweet. Um, they were just thinking, you know, it's, it's a, long, a long player's, uh, right. uh, you know, golf course because it was wet and playing long. But um, that's where I go back to. You know, there's something to be said for confidence and belief and mindset going in there. And my short game was great. And, so I think I think that you have to really look at that if you're if you're looking to pick somebody, you got to look at those aspects. Somebody who's really mentally tough and someone who has a great short game too. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us on the zone. We'll be watching you, and good luck. Yeah, appreciate it, PK. Thanks, man. There's the Masters champ, Mike Weir, with PK. PK, you were trying to backdoor him to get some help in the picks in the draft with uh, Bob and I, weren't you? <laughs> I see you working for an edge. It's funny, while he was answering that, I clicked on the PGA Tour winners, and it doesn't look, I know the tour year starts back in the fall, right? But mm-hmm. December, it pretty much shuts down. So assuming there's no momentum carried through that, I just looked from the first of the year in 2021 here, starting with uh, Harris English winning at Kapalua, and it doesn't look like there's any multiple winners. Maybe it misses somebody, but... I think, I think we're uh, yeah. like 15 winners in 15 tournaments. Sure, but I don't think that's a requirement to be playing well. Right, uh, there could be guys with a bunch of it. top fives. Yeah, and, I mean, you, you look at Jordan Spieth. Obviously, he won yesterday, and he has been getting better. Now, he hmm. went into a slump, right? Of, of 2017, and looking like, oh, my gosh, he's the latest of guy who's just going to take the golf world by storm. Well, you know, McElroy and Justin Thomas and those guys, and even Fowler to a lesser extent, uh, Kepka, we thought those guys were going to do that, but nobody's really taken the world by storm. And now DeChambeau's up there. <clears throat> Excuse me, but if you look at what Spieth has done, he's gotten better, and he's made substantial improvement this calendar year versus where he was. Not where he was in 2017, but where he was the last couple of years. And so he finally breaks through, wins yesterday. I think that was his first win in four or five years, right? So what type of momentum? Because when I was talking to Mike, and I remember this, I remember, it's funny because I remember sitting in a hotel in Albuquerque rooting for Mike to win the Bob Hope, <laughs> which is the Palm Springs, right. right? I'm traveling for basketball at that time in, in uh, January, and I can literally remember sitting on the bed uh, watching him, thinking, man, he's going to win, and, and he got hot, and he did carry that through in Augusta. And so there's something to be said for that. All right, well, uh, I, as far as your other question, which is pretty interesting, what if, what if in the next life it's just a champion? It's just a champion's dinner every day. Well, I'm not going to be there, so I wouldn't have any <laughs> idea. <laughs> You've been told not to judge, PK, and here you are judging. I'm judging myself. No, I've been told not to judge. Judge not 
ye what ye judge not ye the other guy something i mean that's the liberal <laughs> transra- translation but uh, you got you got <laughs> Yuck's head is spinning <laughs> so i mean that's Whoa, i haven't trans- heard that one uh, that's jersey english right there there it is and, and oh. so that that is i judge myself but i i believe that winning the Masters is literally the coolest individual thing you can accomplish in sports. All right, it's time for a UN Golf Masters giveaway. Caller 12 will be paired with the top 25 player in the world, and we'll also have Caller uh, 12 will get number 26, which is the field. It's 26 qualifiers overall, yeah. If the player assigned to you wins, you'll receive the same brand of driver, that player has in their bag. Qualifiers will be assigned today, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Time right now for the You Win a Golf Masters giveaway. Be caller number 12 right now and see what player you get for this year's Masters. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. It's brought to you by You Win a Golf, serving Utah golf since 1971. All right, time now to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, you've talked about this the last couple times you've been on. You've actually gone into uh, detail on this, which I think our, our listeners like. Cambridge University, with a study on the treatment Wasatch Medical Clinic is offering for people who have ED. Can you get into some of the details of uh, what Cambridge and the other, you've mentioned there's like 40 of them, uh, the other studies are showing and what they're learning, what they're seeing? Yeah, it's pretty significant science now. When we first started treating uh, guys with erectile dysfunction with this therapy, there was one or two clinical studies. Now, many years later, there's over 40. The Cambridge study is really interesting because what they did is they took a group of men with severe erectile dysfunction and they targeted a bunch of, you know, really crazy health conditions and then also guys that were no longer getting any result from pills. So, severe cases. The success rate was really high. In fact, I think it said 90%. Uh, they went back and tested guys a while after that. The results were still lasting. So this is proven stuff. If you're out there struggling with erectile dysfunction, Wasatch Medical uses the two most advanced versions. Uh, they're, uh, they're the ones that Cambridge used on this study showing we can repair and open up blood vessels. And you'll see once you go through the treatments that the blood flows better in the bedroom when the timing is right. The big attraction, I think, to this is guys are so sick of the pill. They're sick of the side effects. The relationship is suffering. So we have helped a lot of guys turn back the clock in the bedroom. All right. And you've got a special offer for our listeners. What are you going to do? We do. Only 30% of men with ED get treatment. So a lot of guys suffer, and we want to end that. Uh, call us. We'll do the assessment and exam at no charge. He'll do uh, the doctor will do a blood flow ultrasound. That's a really cool test of your blood vessels. Um, I've had that done many times. Plus an enhanced gift. You'll love this. I promise. It produces immediate results in the bedroom. Probably a four or five hundred dollar value. Uh, call us. It's no charge. All right, if you want to call him, the number is 801-901-8000. You can call Andrew Reinhardt with the Wasatch Medical Clinic right now at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. 
Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Trevor Sikama, co-host of Locked on the NFL Draft. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. Did that really solidify him as the newest member of the New York Jets? When the trade for number three overall went down between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins, I feel like we learned more about what was happening with the New York Jets because you had some detailed messages come out after the 49ers trade that said that they contacted Miami number three, they contacted Atlanta at number four, and they contacted the Cincinnati Bengals at number five. If there was a trade to be made to number two overall, I think the 49ers would have at least picked up the phone, or at least it would have been reported that they would have picked up the phone for them, but it wasn't. And so that tells me that Zach Wilson has been a lock to go number two for quite a while now, and the pro day was, I just think, the icing on the cake for him going very high in the draft. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. PK brought to you apart by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks tonight. Early start, 5 o'clock Mountain Time. Pre-game will start at 4 Right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll have to split it up about 7 o'clock because we'll have the NCAA championship game for you as well, and that'll start while the Jazz are in the fourth quarter. And at that point, you'll be hearing the Jazz on the FM, and you'll be hearing the championship game on 1280 The Zone. And then when the Jazz conclude, the championship game will be on, uh, on both signals. Jazz and Mavericks playing for the third time this year. They played twice in three days in late, late January. The Jazz won by 12 and then again by 19. That was in Dallas's worst stretch of the year. They're in the middle of a six-game losing streak. Uh, a week later, they got blown out by the Warriors by 31, and that seems to have been the turning point because that dropped them to 9-14. and 14. And they've gone 18 and 7 since. That's a good 25 game run. That's a pretty solid sample size right there. And 18 and 7, that's a, you know, that's a 58 win pace or so, something there in the high 50s. So, the Mavericks playing well, and yet PK as we discussed earlier this morning, the Jazz are favored by 6. Favored by 6 to win their 10th straight game. When you're the big dog, this is what happens when you got the best record in the NBA. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, they didn't play those games with Mitchell. Uh, he had some concussion protocol at that time, and so now he's back. He missed the uh, – they had the deal with the plane. You were gone last week, but I'm sure you were well aware. Oh, yeah, I read all about it, yeah. yeah. And so he sat out that game, so be it. And now he's back. He talked about it and said he'll be on the plane and all that stuff. And it was uh, clear he was sitting in his hotel watching the Angels game because when Otani hit 101 on the gun and then hit a bomb, he, temp- he uh, tweeted out, damn, or something like that. And I assume that uh, they're quarantined basically when they're on the road. So he was sitting in the hotel room watching the game, and he's got the baseball background. So, uh, you know, what happened back in early January certainly has no effect on anything that's going to happen tonight for a couple of reasons. As you said, the Mavericks are playing much better, and also Mitchell didn't play that game. And so this is an opportunity for the Jazz to – Really just keep it going, man. And if you start getting multiple, what would this be, three win streaks of 10 or more? I mean, that's just that's just extremely impressive. There's no other way to spin that. 
That and and then everybody's playing everybody. And so, yeah, some games are easier than others, and the Magic obviously was a joke. I like to thank the Magic for coming in. Uh, and oh, right, uh, was that not yeah. well scheduled? I know where you're yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to watch the the college game with uh, the Bruins and the Zags there, and so that game uh, was no longer competitive. So I didn't pay much attention to it. It's one of the rare times I, I turned away from a Jazz game. And obviously the college game was off the charts. So the Magic uh, have just undertaken the full rebuilding mode and had a bunch of guys injured. And 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 they hammered them too. So the Jazz continue to do it and continue to build uh, points of evidence, basically, that they are an elite team that should be expected to do elite things this season. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, what more do you want? And. it, I do. I do admit, though, I'm a little nervous. We had on Mike Smith last week, and he's back uh, doing some more broadcasts for the Jazz. He'll be with them in the entire playoffs. He's uh, looking to be full time next season. <clears throat> and he was talking about, you know, his dream scenario would have the Clippers and Lakers finish three and six, and so they play each other in the first round. Because I am a little nervous about getting the healthy Lakers team in the second round. I, I got to say, there's no question about it. And I think we all are, from the Jazz perspective. It's something that we don't really want to see in the second round. So have them uh, f- find a way to finish third and, s- and sixth with the Clippers being third and the Lakers being sixth because uh, I do know somebody in the Lakers organization, and he told me when Anthony Davis went down, it was way more serious than they were letting on. And so far, the guy's been right. It's like there's no talk of him coming back now. And Mike Smith was pointing out the guy has been injured, and he wasn't injured in the postseason last year, but he had a three-month layoff because of the the virus situation. Now he's going to end up probably having the same amount of layoff here uh, and, and while the team is playing. Last year nobody played. So it's something to keep your eye on. I don't, it's, it's too early to obsess over standings now. But it's certainly, I think, worthy to keep your eye on going forward as far as how things are shaping up. And I'm not saying that the Jazz perspective, they should avoid the Lakers at all costs. Because in the final analysis, maybe you would disagree, but if you lose to the Lakers in the conference final or you lose to them in the second round, for me, really, what's the difference? Uh, that, I think that's mostly true because you've lost and you're out, and that is the biggest fact. I think there's some value in going deeper and getting more experience, so there's a little value there, but that's the small part of the equation. The big part of the equation is you lost. Um, you know, the Lakers and Clippers is interesting. Yes, that could happen, but I am just not I – was, I was thinking about this driving back from Portland. You have a lot of time to think. <laughs> Eastern Oregon – is really pretty. The Blue Mountains are gorgeous, but it does go on for a while. <laughs> so I was thinking, would you rather, the way the Nuggets are playing, and the Nuggets, you know, they make the Aaron Gordon trade, and they've been playing really well, like the Mavericks. They're a team that started poorly and has gotten better, and now, you know, they've made a trade, and they've altered their starting lineup and all that, so they're, they're going to be a different club going forward. they got different talent. I, if you were the Jazz... Would you rather play, and of course, if you're Joe Ingles, you're not going to come on and say this. We'll play whoever, whenever, right? But would you rather play the Clippers or would you rather play the Nuggets? I think I'd take my chance with the Clippers. In the second round you're speaking of? Yeah. If the, if the Nuggets, who are now only a game behind the Clippers, if the Nuggets catch the Clippers and finish third, 
There will be no wailing and gnashing of teeth from me. No. No, no, no. And that doesn't mean you couldn't lose the series to the Clippers. Because you could. I don't think the Jazz will. Sixes? But they could. Really? Uh, I give the... The Joker scares me to death. He's very good. And he's playing very well. You know, he was already very good. And, like, he's got another level now. Yeah, if it ends up... That yeah, but if you have got to have... If you've got to have some type of playoff pedigree, then the Clippers are the team. Well, they got Kawhi, and he's got playoff pedigree. But do you believe well, in anybody they got after that? Too. Yeah, they do. You're right. They do. Maybe it's, okay, P- well, maybe it's PTSD from in the playoff after series. That? From the what? Do I believe in anybody after that? Yes, but to varying degrees. Absolutely. Do I, yeah. I don't. It's not a blanket belief that I just throw out the blanket and everybody who's underneath it. I believe in the same thing of each player. No, there's varying degrees of belief. Yep. Agreed. And I think that's true of individuals on a team. And I think that's true when you look at the top seven teams in the West. I mean, honestly, the Jazz could lose a playoff series to any one of these teams. If you walked out on the floor thinking, this is a done deal, there's no way, you'd be a fool. You know, the top seven teams in the West are all good to one degree or another. But if you had to pick your poison, if the Suns, Nuggets, and Lakers end up on the other side of the bracket, no tears should be shed. And, hey, if you want to win it all, you're still going to have to play the one of them that is playing the best basketball that gets through the other two. So I think you can totally oversell this, you know, the easier path and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can totally oversell that. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're – at the end of the day, you like that? At the end of the day, you're going to face one of these teams that's very good that is playing the best basketball, that is the healthiest, that has the role players at a high level because they're not going to be backdooring their way through the other side of the bracket. And like you said, there's still 20, most teams have 22, 23 games to go. And it's only a game between the Clippers and Nuggets, a half game between the Nuggets and Lakers, a half game between the Lakers and Blazers. You can drive yourself nuts going over this. I don't know that Dallas yeah, can it's get... too early. Yeah, I don't know that Dallas can get out of the seventh spot. Well, they can. I don't know that I expect it. They Obviously, can. they can. They're only two and a half games back with, you know, 22 or 23 to go. Um and, and maybe the Lakers will be the team. Maybe these guys will sit for a long time, and they'll just plummet. And maybe the Lakers will end yeah. up playing. Uh, man, LeBron in a seven-game, <laughs> in a seven-eight game for one game for the playoffs. That'll be must-see TV. I think that for me, uh, just looking at it uh, generally, and you can break it down individually, but then you, it's it's like it's like this political stuff that we got going on. Well, you're hypocritical. Well, you're hypocritical. Well, you're hypocritical. You just both sides just going back with the hypocrisy. You all are hypocritical. I I, I sign on with Charles Barkley said the other night, a hundred percent. And so it's the same type of principle. If I start to make arguments for I want to play this team but yep. not that team, well, as soon as I make this argument over here, I just flip it. I think the one thing that I can say with a reasonable level of assurance is if the Lakers are healthy. And it's just those two guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I don't really care if the other guys are healthy or not. 
I care from the Laker perspective, the, the, the ultimate big two. If they're healthy, I just as soon have them have on be on the other side of the bracket. And then at that point, whatever happens, who's ever in my side on my side and whoever I'm scheduled to face in the second round, if I'm fortunate enough to win, win round one, so be it. Because it looks like the second round is going to be very, very dangerous. I mean, Portland, yep. I can make a case for Portland you should. being yes. just as dangerous as the Clippers and Nuggets. I mean, you got you talk about varying levels of belief. Well, all of us, I think, have a high level of belief in Lillard. I mean, he's proven it, man. Big shot left and right. Now, he doesn't have the horses around him to carry him where he wants to go. But, man, in any given game, in any given series – that guy is as dangerous as they come, right? We all agree on that. And then we'll see. They've made a couple of moves and Yurkic back and all that stuff. So they're, they're dangerous. So I'm not going to sweat who the Jazz are playing because I know that if they should be fortunate to win round one, that when they get to the second round, it's going to be a it's difficult on. task. And yep. then obviously the third and fourth rounds follow the same way. Yeah. I think the one thing we know is the Jazz and Suns are going to go to opposite sides of the bracket. Uh, they're just getting too much separation now. The Jazz are three games in front of the Suns in the last column. And the Suns are four in front of the Clippers and Nuggets. So the Jazz or Suns would really have to fall apart in a way that we just couldn't possibly anticipate right now. They look like the top two teams, and they should go to opposite sides of the bracket. All right, more on this with our basketball insider Steve Cleveland coming up in about 15 minutes. DJ and PK. You pulling for Gonzaga tonight? Many of you are, but some of you have interesting reasons why you are on board with Baylor. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Kristen Kenny on The Big Show. What is it that's different about Donovan this season as opposed to last season? I think he's made a concerted effort to have better starts. He's talked about that. He always has been that guy that you can rely on down the stretch. You want that guy that can show up in those big moments and drain that crucial clutch three. But what about from the jump? He's made it a priority and you see that point production double. And I think having more strong starts and consistent play through all four quarters, to me that's the difference maker. Catch The Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No. Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Banks it home. Banks it home. Jalen Suggs. A deep banked three to send Gonzaga one step closer to history. Well, there's a no doubter right there for the Chevy Strong play of the game. Taking a step across half court and launching that long three and banking it in to keep your perfect season alive and win a game in overtime. Avoid double OT. Jalen Suggs, Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today. Uh, I guess it'll be at 350. It won't be at 450 because the Jazz will be in the pregame show at 450. So keep your ear to the ground at 350. And then if it doesn't happen, well, maybe they'll do it during the pregame show, but I wouldn't think so. So there you go. That's the Chevy Strong play of the game. You can win some fabulous prizes. All right, NCAA title game tonight. Gonzaga survived UCLA. Great tournament run by the Bruins. Great game from the Bruins. Not enough. They probably won't look back at it as a great game. But the rest of us will because it was a great game. Now, 
Now the question is, does Gonzaga have enough left in the tank to take down Baylor and take down the next great D. Mitchell? Not the jazz man, but the Baylor guy, Davian Mitchell. Four and a half point favorites for Gonzaga tonight, PK. I want to see him do it. It feels like this 20-year story, this quest we've watched them be on. I don't have a real dog in them. I'm not going to live and die with either one of these teams. But having watched this 20-year quest and not having seen an undefeated team since 1976, it feels like it's time. Do it, Gonzaga. Do it. Yeah, I don't care about the undefeated. That that just doesn't really ring my bell. I mean, I know it's a storyline, but it just doesn't matter to me uh, as far as that goes. I think this is the opportunity of a really, really good program, and it sends a message that if you get the right players and the right coach, you have the opportunity to do whatever. It doesn't really matter where you're coming from. It's like so many of these players who have gone to smaller schools and made it big. You know, you don't have to go to the Blue Buds. You can go to uh, whether they're in a Power 5 conference. Just because you're in a Power 5 conference doesn't mean you're a Blue Bud in basketball. In fact, most of the programs aren't uh, as far as that goes. But James Harden went to Arizona State, so that would be a great example. Paul Millsap obviously came through here, had a great run, and was a Louisiana Tech guy. And really nobody knew anything about him when he was drafted. Late second-round guy and... Off the fans' radar. Well, Obviously, the he, scouts knew, but he did lead the or college basketball in rebounding. So, uh, but that's what Gonzaga is in that respect, as far as a program. But at the same time, they've had a slew of guys go into the NBA. I mean, because going into the NBA for Gonzaga is not that big of a deal anymore. So many of them now, a lot of them and most of them haven't been big time players in the NBA. Some of them have been busts or just barely there, but they got there. And so once you're an NBA player, you can say you're an NBA player, even if it's just for a season or a half season, whatever it might be. And that's sort of what they've had. Now, this time around with Suggs, I think that's a breakout player. I think he is a breakout player in terms of he will be a – I believe he'll be an even better pro. I could be wrong. Morrison went high and he was a bust. But I believe that Suggs has got everything that they need. I mean, how many guys can you say can block somebody at the basket, make that – bounce pass that was just right out of the money, and then, of course, pull up and hit the winning shot. I mean, that's just three plays, and all three plays were spectacular. And I think he's a difference maker, and I think we'll see that. And we'll see. I believe we'll see that in the NBA, too. I believe he's just absolutely sensational. And so that's what separates them from other Gonzaga teams is I think they've got a couple of guys that can really, really play at the pro level, too in addition to being really good at the college level. So good on Mark Few, man. Good on him. And got this opportunity here. It's great. And if they should do it, I would love to see it. He used to be one of these uh, anti-Gonzaga guys, but after interviewing Few a few times and then talking to Donnie Daniels a couple of times when he was at the program and, and Ray Jack Letty was there, and I got to know Ray a little bit when he was in Utah, and I, be, I became a fan. Absolutely became a fan, and now they've got an opportunity to set themselves apart, and that's what it is. And I would like to see them do that. Although I don't think that if they should lose, that you know this is not an Indiana State, Larry Bird, see you later, or Virginia Commonwealth with Shaka Smart, and you know you you get there and then you sort of go away. I don't think that at all. I think they'll be right back. To, I'm 
I'm going to I'm going to make an outlandish statement. I'm going to pick them to win the West Coast Conference regular season and tournament titles next year. How about that? Some people can tell you what happened. Other people tell you what's <laughs> going to happen. You are the man. I don't think I could get more than I don't know ten or twenty thousand West Coast Conference fans, however many there are. Is there any anything more of a sure bet than Gonzaga finishing first and first in all of sports, all of team sports? Uh, Brady, Brady to the playoffs. I guess he can get hurt. He missed once because he got hurt. Basically, they have these parallel twenty-year runs, and that's the one. The one outlier is Brady got hurt in the opener, the first quarter of the opening game against the Chiefs, wrecked his knee, and was done for the year. But other than that, Brady to the playoffs. That's the other one. And, and I guess we can have uh, you know if you if you said Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson to the playoff, you're probably getting <laughs> two or all three. All right, DJ PK. So it's Jazz pregame at four, Jazz game at five. Have to split the signals at seven when the college basketball title game starts. The Jazz will be on the FM and the NCAA title game will be on the AM. But when the Jazz game's over, then uh, the signals will reunite for the rest of the NCAA title game. So you hear both those games tonight here on The Zone. Time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, you've had a lot of patience in. You've been on the air a, a long time now here on the zone. You've had a lot of patience in. So you, you get you talk about these uh, 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 studies that Cambridge does, but you're collecting your own data too. And I'm curious about um, the the common things that you hear from your patients. Well, a guy with ED, it generally starts with skepticism. Typically, that's probably a result of failing with the pill. Um, failing with injections or supplements, and somebody with erectile dysfunction doesn't know where to turn. They think there's no hope. Uh, They go through our treatments, and the overall feeling is that was way easier than I thought. Uh, A 10-minute treatment on our acoustic wave therapy, uh, you do a few of these over two to three weeks. That's it. That's all that the average guy needs. So uh, they're relieved. I think they wish they would have done it sooner. Um, and then we hear, you know, hey, I'm 40 years old, I've got ED, and this made me 30 years old. It didn't make me 20. It gave me a realistic solution. It got me off of the pill and got my relationship back on track. So what are some of the, uh, some of the alternatives and why this is so superior and why guys, instead of trying the other stuff and being skeptical, should just start with this? Well, because if you think about it, the medication for ED treats the symptoms. Um, You still have erectile dysfunction the next go around, and you're going to be taking more and more of the pills. Our treatments at Wasatch Medical treat the root cause problem of erectile dysfunction. So that's the big difference, treating the symptoms versus trying to fix the actual problem so you don't have to rely on pills. Uh, Clinical study after clinical study also says no side effects reported. That's so rare in the medical world, but there really are no side effects and no downsides to the treatment. There's no danger. Um, It's done non-invasively on top of the skin, gently opens up those blood vessels. All right. As always, you got a a deal. Our, Our listeners love deals. Yes. Call us now, guys. You can come in, meet with a doctor. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound. He'll do an assessment, and then you can you know, sleep on it. You can decide a year later. You can start with treatments right away. It's totally up to you. 
We're doing it totally free, and we're giving you a little special gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom plus free testosterone if you feel like you've got a need for that. Uh, Give us a call. It's all no charge. All right. You can call right now, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew Reinhardt and the Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys.